love you, and uh, uh, we're just so happy to serve and to be part of uh, the kingdom and to be part of watching people's lives changed and that God would allow us and call us and choose us to preach this glorious gospel is just mind-boggling to me. And, uh, you know, we're grateful and we're thankful from the bottom of our hearts. It's an honor to serve. Amen. Thank you. Well, you guys ready for the word? Well, Pastor Don, why don't you come up here? Because the cat's already out of the bag. They know. We put it all over Facebook. This is a great man right here. You hear about great men. This is a great man. A great man who has served this ministry for 60 years. And when I told Pastor Don, I said, Pastor Don, it's going to be our first service back in Brooklyn. Uh, I would like you to come. And, and, and as always, he says, I'm coming. I want to do it. I want to be there. Uh, and um, I don't. many of you don't know that Pastor Don lives in Virginia, and we see him all the time because he travels back and forth. I, I, I have almost as far as a commute, and I go to Valley Stream 14 miles away. But... <laughs> but but he comes all the way from Virginia to be here with us, and he serves. Uh, and even though you don't see him every day, we're working together every single day. He's working for the ministry and, and serving us here. And uh, I'm just honored to have him here speaking. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you all. Thank you. Amen. Wow. It was 52 years ago that the last service like this, with people, uh, visitors from the outside coming in uh, to worship in this chapel. And um, we, that's when we dedicated the building down the block at 444 Clinton Avenue. Up to then, we had all of our services here. And so this really, really brings me back memories <laughs> of how we started. The pulpit was that way. Uh, that's the, o the only difference. Uh, and Paul explained uh, why we're here, uh, and uh, the Lord willing, uh, and when the landmark approves it, pray with us that they will approve what we want to do here. We, we will have, I think, more space, chapel space than we had down there. We'll have a larger dining room, and we'll have more space here, and, um, but we had to sell that in order to afford to be able to do this which will be a three and a half to four million dollar makeover, extreme makeover of this building. And we still don't know where we're gonna go come April when uh, they begin to renovate this building, but we know the Lord will supply. So it is a delight to be here tonight and, and to see the visitors, God bless you. We're glad you're here and every Friday night, right? Uh, right here, so good. All right, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, and I am reading from, um, what am I reading from? There's so many translations today. It used to be easier when I grew up. This is a new King James Version, uh, and it says, now a woman. Now a woman, let me stop there. Whenever the Bible talks about a woman or a man, it doesn't mean that if 
in, in this story, as we will go through it, about this woman, it doesn't mean that the teaching is just for women. Amen. It's for men as well. And uh, the same if the story was about a, a man. These are, these are Bible principles that are based upon what happened in the ministry of Jesus. And so this woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years, uh, she spent all the, her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any means. She came from behind and touched the border of his garment and immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, master, the multitude and throng, they're, press, they're pressing in on you. And you say, who touched me? And Jesus, somebody touched me, for I perceived power going out from me. Ministry can take a lot out of you. It took power out, 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 out of Jesus. And very often when he was healing people and when he was ministering to people, afterwards he would go privately somewhere, uh, hide away in a mountain and pray in order to be refreshed and, and renewed. And let me say to all the, the students that are here, it takes a lot out, uh, an effort for you to be able to be here. Whenever I hear these testimonies, uh, we give the glory to God, but I think, of, I think of the people who cooked, I think of the people who cleaned, I think of those who do so many things, and it takes a lot out of you when you minister, and it took a lot out of Jesus in this situation. But I wanna, I wanna take you through this and, and make some points out, out of all this. And uh, let, me, uh, let me go over the points, and then I'll come back and share with them. First of all, sometimes you have to be a pusher. Sometimes you have to be a pusher. That's point number one. Point number two, if you stand still, Jesus may just pass you by. Point number three, Jesus is a cure. All other efforts to be healed of addiction is not worth the effort. And some of you already know that. Point number four, uh, <laughs> the program has no place to hide out. <laughs> this woman tried to hide in the crowd. And point number five, it's time to come out of the crowd and c confess to the crowd your need. That's the points I want to go through. Sometimes you have to be a pusher. She came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. With strong will and strong desire, she pushed through the crowd to touch Jesus. And sometimes you have to push from behind to get to Jesus. And, uh, and sometimes the crowds are a crowd of your own thoughts. Um, you may have, for example, you may have to push through your doubts. Doubts about whether God loves you or not. You're talking about 
experiencing God's love. I have been blessed that all of my life, all of my life, never have I doubted for a moment God's love for me at all times and all circumstances. But I see other people, they struggle whether God loves them or not. Um, and uh, and you, you, you may face other doubts. Some doubt the very existence of God. Of course, you'd be a fool to do that because the Bible says <laughs> um, that you would be a fool. Some people doubt their salvation. They, 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 uh, they go through periods of doubt. I asked a fellow a student one day in the program, I said, are you saved? He said, no, not today. <laughs> Maybe he was going through something and he figured, you know, well, <laughs> but listen, God doesn't treat us like we treat other people sometimes. Another doubt, another doubt that I'm sure happens here all the time, you doubt whether you're going to make it or not. And, uh, and, and, and you know, um, sometimes you just have to work through your doubt. You know, you, you know what doubts are? Doubts are like first, second, and third base. You have to touch them all to get home <laughs> and just work through your, doubt, through your doubts. Um, and, and some of you are hoping that the Yankees touch first, second, and third in the home tonight. <laughs> And sometimes you have to, you have to push through uh, what I call the, the quitting attitude, um, where you, you, come up, you come up to a certain point, and then you, you really got to push through because the enemy will come. And, and, and I think I was teaching this at, at, at the retreat. If God can't get you when you're really down, or, or the devil can't get you when you're down, he'll get you when you're really up. And you're doing real good and say, oh, look at you. You're really good now. You can make it. You can go out on your own now. So there are doubts. Oswald Chambers says, doubts do not necessarily mean a man is wrong. It may just mean he is thinking. And thinking's okay up to a point. But at some time, you got to quit thinking. And you got to commit. And that's what faith is all about. You just commit to it and say, okay. Amen. So there's a difference between unbelief and sincere doubts. Unbelief leaves you with nothing to hold on to. Doubt is like a man who is drowning and someone throws him a lifeline. Does a drowning man throw it back and says... <laughs> Throw it back at him? No, he just holds on to it. Or, or, or he might say to the preacher, uh, I don't like the way you're preaching. I, I don't like your style. I don't like the way the staff talk to me. Listen, you may not like the, the way they talk to me, but they're trying to throw you a lifeline. And that's what God wants you to do is, is hold on to that lifeline and press through to him irregardless of the doubts that you face. 
Point number two, if you stand still, Jesus will pass you by. Let me say something to the students. You will never have a greater opportunity to make something out of your life than right now at this time in this place. You see, doubt sees the obstacles, faith sees the possibilities. And I find the story of this woman very interesting in that she had to decide to be just one of or one in the crowd or be the one who ignored the, the crowded conditions and be the one to touch Jesus. In that day, there, in that crowd that day, there were the curious, there were the doubters, there were the skeptics. But if you had suffered 12 years as this woman did, you would be foolish to hold on to your doubts and questions about the reality of Christianity. Listen, I would have far more fear of being mistaken and finding out that Christian religion was true than of not being mistaken in believing it is true. If the Lord be God, follow him, serve him, press through to him. Many a man and woman has stood still when Jesus was passing by and did nothing and lost the opportunity of their healing and their transformation. And you can stand still during the whole program and the opportunity of this program will pass you by. Hmm. Picture yourself in the crowd described in this miracle. Are you pressing through or is the opportunity passing you by? And you know, you can go along. There, there's what we call the honeymoon experience sometimes. The Lord, you're very exciting and, and so forth. Uh, and, and then the trials uh, begin to come and the doubts begin to come. The struggles begin to come. And... and And you know, sometimes the devil will use even another staff, unbeknown to them. Whether they didn't really mean it, it uh, they're human. And the devil will use that. The devil can use that against you. And so there are various times that you come up to obstacles and you got to press through them. And I don't know where some of you are in the program tonight, but I'm speaking to some of you right now where you, this, in this service, at this time, as I speak to you now, God's speaking to you and said it's time for you to press through to the next level, to the next step. You can be in the right place, in the right crowd, but still make the wrong decision. I've seen many a student go through the program, but the program did not go through them. It's time to quit being a spectator on the sidelines, and it's time to get in the game and seek the Lord, if you have not. Point number three, Jesus is a cure. All other efforts to be healed of addiction are not worth the effort. Um, and I find a similarity between this woman's issue of blood disease and addiction. Certain types of drugs, drugs manipulate the blood to cause a high or a low. 
In the process, it pollutes body, mind, and spirit. And like this woman, the addict can go through years carrying the issue and having cost their family and society and maybe the insurance company lots of money. The woman had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed. Sin is expensive. Sin is expensive. I don't mean that her blood sea disease was necessary to the result of sin. Nevertheless, this is a picture of those who seek a cure in a wrong way in the wrong places. And let me tell you something. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. If you serve Jesus, you won't spend money on cigarettes. You won't spend money on drink. You won't spend money on a bunch of other junk. You'll have more money in your pocket. Jesus saves. <laughs> Did you ever think that that statement is an economic statement as well? Wow. Charles, I need to write a book. Jesus saves. Wow. Do you want to be like a future success story or numbered among the ones that Jesus passed by and you never touched him and carry some issue with you the rest of your life? The woman dealt with her issue and her life was changed forever. Hmm. Point number four. The program has no place to hide out. <laughs> Luke 8, 7, the woman saw that she could not be hid. She could not be hid. I love this part of the miracle. The manner in which this woman, we might say, snuck up on Jesus is not a mystery. In those days, such a disease meant that she was looked down upon as an outcast. She lived with rejection and shame and disgrace. And like addiction, having an issue of blood was to carry a label as a social misfit that might have regulated her to the bottom of the barrel in society. And so she hid in the crowd while still wanting to touch Jesus. She at first wanted to be anonymous in the crowd, but Jesus exposed her. <laughs> And so here's the good news. She could not be hid. Sin will shame you. Sin will make you want to hide from God. But Jesus refuses to allow your sin or your shame or your sense of rejection to keep you away from him. He'll still love you in spite of some of the things that you have done. Jesus wants to expose you to the light but sin will keep you in the dark. Addiction wants to get lost in the crowd, but Jesus wants to find you in the crowd. <laughs> you may want to go through the program anonymously, but God won't let you, and neither will Brooklyn Teen Challenge let you. <laughs> and point number five, um, it's time to declare yourself 
as to the reason you need to touch Jesus. Look what this bashful, wanting to stay in the background woman did when Jesus healed her. She confessed. She confessed. She opened up and she told the truth. Look at Luke 8.47. And the woman saw that she was not hidden. She came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason that she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. The devil says, I got you covered, but God says, I want to uncover you. I want to expose you to the truth. And so anonymous, this anonymous lady now boldly declares her testimony. <laughs> she does so by admitting the reason she needed help, the reason she needed Jesus. And if this applies to any of the students here tonight, I say to you, isn't it about time you got real and confessed the truth that you have issues in your life and that need to be solved? You get set free by telling the truth. You get set free by telling the truth. If you downplay what your problem is and why you're here, that comes from pride. Time and time again, I see a student in the program that, that hides out saying to themselves and thinking to themselves, I'm not as bad as some of these other guys here. The devil loves to make you think that you, have only, you only need minor spiritual surgery. You've got a little bump here. You only need minor spiritual surgery so you can get out of the spiritual hospital sooner than others. <laughs> the truth is you're here for major spiritual makeover. And that takes time. That takes time. Oh, my goodness. You know how to beat time? Is quit doing time. I asked a student, how long have you been here? He said, three months, uh, uh, 20, 21 days, and 12 hours. <laughs> he was a prisoner to time. And you can be a prisoner in this place. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> when you have an opportunity to, to be free. And what, yeah, <laughs> you, you, you know, do you know why? Do, do you know why some of the leaders of Team Challenge are wanting to open a government-funded short-term program? Because they say so many today don't want to go into a long-term faith-based facility. Well, if your facility is just a drug treatment program, then that's true. But we're not just a drug treatment program. We're a discipleship program. And when you come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, you come to do his will. And when you come to do his will, time shall be no more. Not only in heaven, but on earth. Because you're my times are in his hand, the Bible says. Years ago, years ago, it was in, it was in the... 
in the, in the late 60s, early 70s, when you know the Cross and Switchblade book uh, became a bestseller book, bestseller book. Uh, and you know how, by the way, you know how it became a bestseller book? A man who was a president of combined insurance companies in North America in Chicago was given a copy of the book by Harold Bredesen. You know that name. A and he read it. He loved it. And he bought 50,000 hardback copies so it would make the New York Times bestseller list. <laughs> and then Good Housekeeping magazine picked up a condensation of it. And, and the rest, is, rest is, is, is history. So uh, all of a sudden, Teen Challenge was no more than just in religious, evangelical, born-again circles. Now society and the state of New York found out about us. And they contacted me and said, you've got to register with the state. You've got to come under wh wh whatever the department is, uh, uh, the state, dr drug and alcohol. You've you got to register with it with us. <laughs> and, and I wrote back and I said, we don't work with drug addicts. <laughs> I kid you not. I kid you not. Th those were the, th you know, when, when you're young and new and naive, you do, you do certain things that are really fantastic, but you don't even know you're doing it. <laughs> you do it out of ignorance, you know, so, sometimes. I wrote back and I said, we don't work. And they said, well, but wait a minute, you keep advertising for, for, for drug addicts. I said, yes, but as soon as they come through the door, they're parishioners. <laughs> and I, I put this line in it, they're, they're sinners who need a savior. They didn't know what to do with that. And they left us alone. And so, uh, yeah, how, 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 how did I get onto that? Um, <laughs> uh, but it, anyway, yeah, uh, and I tell people, uh, we, we, we do not talk, you know, <laughs> you know, a lady came into, not here, she came into another center one time to, to talk to the director, and she went by the chapel. And, and, and when she came and sat down, she said, oh, I love what they're saying. I love what they're singing in the chapel. And he said, what's that? You know, they're, they're saying, I've got brains. <laughs> I've got brains. <laughs> and he said, oh, no, ma'am. They're singing, our God reigns. <laughs> she thought it was a therapeutic session. Everybody's... <laughs> sitting around and say, I've got brains, I can become somebody. Well, hey, listen, uh, uh, you, you know the student's got brains, but unless God reigns in the brain, <laughs> your brains are not going to get you very far. They're not going to get you very far. And, and so th uh, th this is... Uh, um, this is a discipleship program, and, um, uh, and, 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 and the way that you beat time is you admit, you admit to your needs, you admit to what's going on in your heart, and you surrender your life to Jesus Christ.
And the longer you put that off, the harder it's going to be. But if you press in, Jesus' last word to her was this, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you whole. Jesus wants to make you whole, not half, not a quarter, not a little dab. A little dab won't do you. And I've always said, with the struggles that you have and the things, you cannot afford to be a Sunday come to meeting Christian like we were talking about uh, with, with uh, Frank Lavoti. Um, people today, they, they want uh, as short a meeting as possible, as short a sermon as possible. I'm just seeing how long I've been preaching. <laughs> And it's kind of in and out. You cannot afford, you cannot afford to be like that. Because you have battles and struggles that you need to reach out and touch Jesus and let his power flow out of him and into you. The power of God. The power of God. Here's my prayer for each of you. Contained in these verses in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24, as written in the message translation. May God himself, the God who made everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole, put you together, spirit, soul, and body, and keep you fit for the coming of our master, Jesus Christ. The one who called you is completely dependable if he said it, he will do it. If he said it, he will do, you, do it. He that hath begun a good work in you shall complete it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Stand with me. Stand with me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Can Will and Mary come back? And, and uh, I just want to pray in a minute here. I just want to pray. Some of you, maybe you've been trying to be anonymous. Maybe you've been trying to be like this woman, not be discovered. But maybe some of you here tonight, you're at a crossroads of decision. Maybe you've not made the first step to Jesus. I would suspect that most of you have made your second and third or fourth and fifth. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by, by the Lord. They are ordered, but you have to take them. And you'll come to those barriers. You'll come to that, you'll come to that time when doubts will come in or, <laughs> like I said tonight, you start feeling too good about what's happened to you. And uh, some of you may be at a crossroads tonight.
And God's speaking to you right now. He's speaking to you right now and telling you, keep pressing in. Press in. Press in. Work through those thoughts. Work through those temptations. Work through those hurt feelings. Work through whatever it is that you got to work through and step through. And sometimes even Jesus' disciples try to prevent people from getting close to Jesus. Don't let anybody, don't let anybody stop you. Holy Spirit, I just pray right now for that young man or woman who is in this audience here tonight, whom you have spoken to very directly in this message. You have spoken very directly to them. How faithful you are, Lord, to know when to speak. And so I just pray right now that you would touch those whom the Holy Spirit has spoken to and said, that's for me, that's for me. And if that's you, I want you to come. we got enough room here. I want you to come and say, and say Pastor, that's for me. I'm, I, I, I've reached a point where if I don't do something, if I don't do something, Jesus is going to pass me by. And I don't want him to pass me by. I want to touch him tonight. And in touching him, I want him to touch me. If that's you, I just want you to step out right now. Just come out of your seat and come and stand here. And we're going to pray for you tonight. We're going to pray for you. Just step out right now. Even, even if you're in the back room listening to this, come. This is your opportunity. God is speaking to you uh, tonight. <laughs> 